Timothy. First Timothy. Did somebody get the outlines off the copy machine and pass them out? Okay, if Brother George or Andrew will take care of that, I'm sorry. First uh, Timothy. And um, we are just going to work our way. I've called this series To My Sons as Paul addresses both First and Second Timothy to Timothy, his own son. And as he refers, addresses a letter to Titus, uh, he uses the same address, his son in the ministry. And, and we're just going to look uh, through that. Let's just start reading in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, these first two verses are what we call the introduction in Modern letter writing in, in America today, and the way I was taught when I was in school, of course, uh, what you do today is, is, is uh, you just, uh, you don't even address it. It's called an email. It, you don't put, dear sir or dear so-and-so. You just start typing out your sentences, and you sign it with some little weird little squiggly cue at the bottom. It's supposed to be a signature, and, and they put... Um, colons and semicolons and parentheses marks all together to make smiley faces and weird little things. And, and uh, you know, I, I wonder, uh, should the Lord tarry His coming and uh, somebody unearth some of these little text messages and things with uh, colons and parentheses marks, what kind of hieroglyphics they're going to interpret them as and try to make sense of those things. Um, it's uh, sometimes silly what we do, and then sometimes I wonder if some of our interpretations and understandings of what people have done centuries and millennia before aren't the same exact thing. Maybe they were texting each other with their chisel and, uh, uh, and clay tablet just doing funny little doodly-doos, and we've got these scholars trying to figure out the hidden meaning behind all of these things. It's... Uh, it's just a little interesting. The thing I love about the Bible is we don't have to pretend there's some hidden message. It's right there on the pages. The words mean something. And uh, just one thing kind of skipped over last uh, 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 Sunday night as we started our study here. <coughs> as Paul is introducing himself and this is the point I was trying to make. In the ancient art of letter writing, the first thing you did was sign the letter. That was at the beginning of the letter. You knew who the letter was from right from the beginning. How many times have you gotten a letter and you say, who is this? And you start reading through it and finally you get down to the end. You, you flip over all the way through the letter. I want to find out who this is writing to me. Has anybody else ever had that problem? I have on several occasions, and then I find out who's writing the letter. You know, it's uh, uh, Mayor Bloomberg or uh, somebody wanting me to work on their election campaign. I don't bother reading the rest of the letter right in the trash. If they had signed it that way in the front, it had gone in the trash the first time. Amen? And uh, so, but Paul introduces himself. Now, look what, how he identifies. He says, by the commandment of God our Savior and, Jesus, and Lord Jesus Christ which is 
our hope. Now, as I read that last week, I put the article in there. I, in my mind, I read, By the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. But that's not what it says. It says, By the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. You know, there's uh, people that argue that the Bible does not teach the Trinity of God. And yet this verse most certainly does. Amen? And, but our minds, as we read things, I don't know if you did this, but I did it several times, and all of a sudden I look through there and say, wait a minute, there's no the in there. He's saying, God, our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, because they're the same God. Amen? There's no separation we have this idea that we can divide God up into little parts. In fact, I heard a... I won't give you his name. I'll just call him a silly preacher. He said, you know, when I pray, he said, I pray a little bit to God the Father, and then I pray to Jesus for a while, and I don't want the Holy Spirit to be left out, so I pray to Him too. Now, that's a silly preacher. Jesus gave us clear instructions. You read the Bible. Our Father, our prayers are to be directed to God the Father. He said, ask in my name, pray in Jesus' name, and we are to pray under the influence and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, all different, how can you say different parts of God? Because that's what we're trying to get away from here. That's the way we think of it. The three persons of the triune God are at work in our prayers. You don't divide them up. You, you cannot have part of God. If you have part of God, you don't have God. Because anything that is a part of Him would be less than God. Now, you've got to think about that a minute. Stretch your brain just a little bit. But as Paul is, he's not trying to introduce the fact that God is our Savior here. What he's trying to do is show us the unity and the oneness of God. He said, I'm here by the commandment of God. How many of you remember where the commandment of God was given? Acts chapter 13. In fact, let's just go there for a moment and spend a little bit of time. And I didn't put all these details in your outline, so if you, you want to get them, you'll have to scribble them down. But Acts chapter 13, I'll try to do better next week here. Acts chapter 13, it says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and saw, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, that's Acts chapter 13. Paul here says, By the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, Acts chapter 13, 
It says, the Holy Ghost said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul. Now we have all the persons of the triune God working in the calling of Paul. In fact, there's no place that God does not work that you cannot see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we don't have time for that. That's a whole different subject, but I just want to address that because... Every once in a while, you'll run into somebody that will try to tell you, well, this doctrine of the Trinity was invented by later people as they edited the Scripture, and they put 1 John, 1, uh, 1 John 5, 7. It really doesn't belong in there. But Paul believed that. He said, God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. He's addressing one person. The Trinity of God is as old as the Bible is. In fact, if you want to go into the Hebrew, the word Elohim, I am, is plural. It's not singular. It's not God's. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen? And if you understand that, then you're smart as God is. I don't understand it. I believe it. Amen? And so Paul is writing here, Unto Timothy, mine own son. Now, Timothy was one of those special people in the Bible, but I I want you just to take a moment here. And I've heard many sermons on Paul and Timothy how the Timothy was his own son, and how the Timothy was one of those special people that was called to preach. But I want you to turn with me to the book of Titus chapter 1, and I want you to look down to verse 4 of Titus 1. Are we there? It says, To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith. Now, the only reason why we do this is I don't want you to think that the only person that was called to preach and was trained by the Apostle Paul was Timothy. Or that somehow Titus was of any less importance or any lesser position. Titus, he addresses Titus and Timothy the same way. Paul took care of Timothy. If we'll go to Acts chapter 16, we'll find out that Uh, This is where Timothy is introduced to us in the Bible. He's called Timotheus here. And uh, we'll just look through here to Acts chapter 16 and pick up a few things. Paul is on his second missionary journey here. And in verse 1 it says, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek which was well reported by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took him and circumcised him, because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders, which were at Jerusalem. So here we have Paul... 
taking Timothy. Timothy traveled with Paul on his second and third missionary journeys. Okay. I can't compete with the thunder. But here's one of the things. Paul trained young men. Paul prepared them for the ministry that God had called them to do. And the idea here is Timothy was, his mother was was Jewish, his father was a Greek, and so Paul, being that he was of the Pharisees, one of the strictest groups of the Jewish religion, realized what a stumbling block that would be, and he took Timothy as a young man and helped him conform to the law so that he would not be offensive and he would be able to minister and preach the gospel to the Jewish uh, people as well. And um, again, Paul's not bringing Timothy under the law, but Timothy was a Jewish young man. And he was doing and helped Timothy there understand that it is not an offensive thing to minister to people and and. We call this, I call it, not being needlessly offensive. I mean, the gospel in and of itself. I mean, do you realize what you're telling someone when you give them the gospel of Jesus Christ? You're telling them, you are a sinner on your way to hell. I don't know anything more offensive than that message right there. Nothing you can do can change the fact. Now... Remember, part of the people he was preaching this to were God's chosen people from the Old Testament, the physical descendants of Abraham. When we get to 2 Timothy, we'll find out that Paul said, Listen, that faith that you had first abode in your grandmother's heart, and then in your mother's, and it was passed on to you. Now, let me tell you something. Timothy's grandmother... may have been alive during the ministry of Jesus Christ, maybe, she may have already passed away. This would have been in the late 40s, early 50s A.D., 20 years after Jesus had already finished His earthly ministry. Grandma may have been alive, but she certainly would not have really understood all of these things. The first time the gospel was preached in this city is when Paul and uh, Barnabas took the message there on their first missionary journey just a little bit before. The faith that his grandmother had was an Old Testament faith, but it was in the same God, the God of the Bible. Faith is obedience to God's Word as God reveals it in the Scripture. Now, as we read in Acts chapter 16, when Paul gets to Lystra and Derbe and Iconium on his second travel, on his second journey through that area, they had already established a church, and here was Timothy, who was already a believer that was in good report. When Paul calls him, Mine own son in the faith, It is not necessarily the fact that Paul was the one who sat down beside Timothy and opened up the Bible. Of course, the book of Romans hadn't been written yet. 
and showed Timothy how to get saved. But let me ask you a question. Who started the church in Lystra? Barnabas and Paul. Who trained the preacher that was there? Barnabas and Paul. And it was right for Paul to name Timothy as his son because he started the church and Timothy was saved in the church. And he's using that term affectionately. Uh, Some of you will remember uh, when Dr. Smith from The Sword was here. He calls me one of his preacher boys. And uh, I appreciate that. that. That's something special. I was called to preach under his ministry in Westminster, Maryland as a young man. And it wasn't that Dr. Smith led me to the Lord. I was saved in the church before he got there. But I was called to preach. As he was the pastor there, he had only been the pastor for all oh, about a year or so. And uh, actually, it was another preacher that was preaching. Oh, that's okay, Andrew. Come on back in. Whatever's going to happen out there is going to happen. We'll, we'll try to wade through this, and maybe we ought to break for prayer early, huh? Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to last extremely long, but we may be, may be proven wrong on that. And so... Here was Timothy. Their only real connection was the faith that they shared in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've heard many people right here in this church talk about this, and it's a good time for us to remind ourselves of it. Little hail. How about you give me a little monitor? I can't even hear myself. All right. But people have said, I'm closer in my relationships with people in the church than I am with some of my own family members. Why is that so? It's because of the faith we share 